Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26. I've been teaching on Sundays on the subject of restoration. And in the last service, Pastor Patsy had a prophetic word, and it was actually out of one of the key texts for my message, which she didn't know. Uh, and it was that God was making all things new. Isaiah 43, 18, while you're turning to Ezekiel, he says, do not call to mind the former things or ponder the things of the past. He says, behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? He says, I will even make a roadway in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. Where things are dry and parched, he'll bring living water, his Holy Spirit. Where things are bewildering, that's what the wilderness is. It's bewildering. It's you scratch your head. You don't quite know what to do yet. He says he'll, he'll provide a way where there seems to be no way. The Lord is the good shepherd, and he's our guide, and he's faithful. And he sent the Holy Spirit, all prompted by the Heavenly Father. God the Father, his son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are so uh, in love with humanity and dedicated in, in their purposes that we are then uh, comfortable with drawing near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. And the time of need is all the time. And Jesus is beautiful and faithful and trustworthy. Can I hear an amen? And so, by the way, it's Kim Muncy's birthday today. Happy birthday, Kim. Stand up, happy birthday to you. We threw this whole party for you. Happy birthday, Kim, 28. And uh, so, Father, I pray that you would be with my mouth and be with our ears and that we would be fed and led by the Holy Spirit and Jesus would be exalted and the outcome would be good and revival would break out in our hearts and, and blessing would come. You've blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ according to Ephesians 1.3. These blessings you said will come upon us and overtake us. Even Jabez prayed, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Nothing wrong with that. Is the church a bless me club? Yes, it is. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Look at somebody next to you and say, Gesundheit. That means God bless you. All right. God bless you. The blessing is more than just when we sneeze. It's for, it's, there's an impartation. I pray you get blessed today. Ezekiel 36, 26, New American Standard. Then I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation because it gives a, an interesting spin on the part, last part. Moreover, he prophesies when the Messiah comes, for Jew and Gentile, he's going to give a new heart, the heart that was poisoned and polluted by sin, the heart of man that's corrupt and fallen. He says, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. I've always appreciated that early moment prophecy concerning the foretelling of what the results would be when Jesus comes to town. When love comes to town, it's going to change things for people. A change occurs. Um, and, and before I read that in the New Living Translation, I'll remind you, one of my favorite New Testament verses, 2 Corinthians 5.17, says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this one that gives a new heart, he is a new creature or a new creation. The old things passed away. 
Then it says, behold, new things have come. That word behold is also in Isaiah. He says, behold, I will do something new. Now it will spring forth. Will you not be aware of it? I believe the Holy Spirit wants to stimulate your awareness and mine today on what God is to have us anticipate, what we're, our expectation of him. And, and our hopes should stay um, right out there faith, because faith is the substance of the things we hope for. I have hope for mankind. I have hope for my future. I have hope for my family. I have hope for our church. I have hope for the United States. I love the country God planted me in. Many foreign-born people. I just spoke to a lady from China. Uh, we have friends from, from Hungary. There are people all over from, from uh, Central America, from El Salvador, and places like that, all over the world. And I sure appreciate the amazing of the people, by the people, for the people, kind of system of this republic and the fact that we have freedom of assembly, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, thank God for it. I've been to places that don't have that and it's harsh and the consequences are grim. The results are uh, deprivation and downgrade. But when Jesus comes in on the scene, he makes all things new. He makes a roadway in the wilderness. He brings wisdom when we don't know what to do. He brings answers when we feel hopeless and full of despair. I was speaking to a lady today who worked on a high level in a, a rehab uh, environment, and she's battling uh, a cancer battle. And she's now gone through the harsh part of her chemo, uh, but the best part is she's had a big come to Jesus moment in the midst of her battle. And she's front and center pursuing the Lord, who is in fact the chief physician. And he uses medical people, and he uses medical processes. We, we see in the Bible that they're instantaneous miracles. We're always uh, open to that, even craving that. Uh, but yet, we know because God is the Lord that heals us, we'll do whatever we have to do to stay alive as long as we're supposed to so we could finish our course, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. And uh, everybody, I want you to know, God knows the plans he has for you as an individual, he knows the purposes that he has embedded in you, uh, and, and he knows the timing, and he is interested in its fulfillment. He's put quite an investment in us. He's, he so loved the world, he gave his only begotten, unique son, Jesus, who came to furnish proof of God's love, to destroy the works of the devil, and to seek and save that which is lost, and to set captives free. Then he raised up apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints. The early Bible writing apostles documented the Gospels, the book of Acts, the epistles, all throughout the New Testament to give us a, a documentation that we could look to as a faithful guide for our lives, our faith, our conduct, and to reflect and show what he has planned to do. He said, I will build my church, for example. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He loves the church. He's the head of the church. And because he's the head of the church and we're the church, we constantly make him head in our priorities, our decision-making, our choices, our aspirations, right? And we seek him first. We look, we, we set, I have set the Lord continually before me. That's what you're doing today. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be moved. You're, you're God-seekers, and if you seek, you'll find. 
If you knock, the door will be opened. If you ask, you shall receive. And you may be new here, but you're new, and you're like a, a calf at, the, at a new gate. You know, you're hungry and you're excited. Uh, you may have been walking with God for years and years and years, and, and, and you have the value of experience and the beauty of, 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 of seeing the faithfulness of God over a long period of time. Look what it says here in, in uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, 26 on the New Living Translation. It, it's a bright, it's a newer paraphrase for a modern reader. It says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. Now, that's exactly the same. This is where it differs a little bit. He says, I will take out your stony, stubborn heart. Who could say amen? Not many of you want to. Okay. And then I will give you a tender, responsive heart. He takes away the callous and he tenderizes us. He takes away the dullness and he makes us sharp and skillful hearers. He says, my sheep know my voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. We can be led by the Holy Spirit, right? Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And all who are of the Spirit are like the wind. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't know where it's going. And, and hence, so is the church. God has such a master plan for these end times that even the forces of darkness can't perceive it or understand it. Even when Jesus died on the cross, had the rulers of this world understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. God is a master at hiding things from the enemy and hiding things for his people. And as we seek him, we'll find him. And he, since he takes away the stony heart, the stubborn heart, and he gives us a new heart, and he gives us a tenderness and a, and a receptivity, uh, we actually can be in the know. And here's what I've been preaching on Fridays about love, because love is the greatest virtue of all that we'll experience in the array of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Love, God is love, 1 John 4, 8. We're to love one another. Just had a good report. A lady um, helped at a, Bible, at a uh, vacation Bible school at a mainline denominational church here in town. She said, Pastor Jeff, they love you there. And I said, well, I love them. That's why they love you. See, we wait around, you know, we get defensive and we expect, you know, to be rejected or we, or we hope we'll be loved. It's like, let's just take the initiative because love covers a multitude of sins. Love never fails. In fact, it says, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you have love for one another. I love the body of Christ. I love the contours of the church. I love its diverse expression. And I love where God's planted me. I'm grateful for what God birthed me into, but uh, no group has the market cornered on uh, the 100% of everything. We all need each other, and so we learn from each other. The liturgical church, we learn reverence. Uh, we, we learn vibrancy from the cutting-edge things that are coming up, and, 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 we, and we learn, and we go to the Word of God, and we learn that... Uh, <clears throat> The old wine has value as we hunger and thirst for new wine. Um, it, one is not to be dismissed over the other. In terms of vintage, it's not a good example to me. I'm, not a, I'm a teetotaler, and I, I, I just don't quite get the whole wine connoisseur thing. But uh, the, 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 the best stuff is the stuff that's matured. 
The new stuff, it's like Ripple from the liquor store. You know, it's like I bought a, I've been, the reason I'm a teetotaler now is because I did enough before I was 21 for a whole lifetime. And I gave myself such a terminal case of stupid that I thought, I just don't need to, I just don't need to flirt with this anymore. So that's why I've decided to just be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. It's it's just a thing, you know. So, So the thing that God wants to do is restore our souls, restore our mindset as individuals, restore us as a church, as a people. And uh, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Uh, He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us by quiet waters. Part of what I love about the facilities God's provided for this local church, 36.6 acres in what used to be Gumbo Flats, which is now upgraded to posh Chesterfield Valley. Uh, You know, the, 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 the bean field is now this elegant lawn, you know. And, and, and we're now in this situation where all this has grown up all around us. We pioneered out here before anything was developed, before the flood of 93. 30 years ago, just in a few days, the place flooded. Uh, but it flooded with God's help. It flooded with God's love after we came through that. We were victims ourselves. But then instead of getting a victim mentality, we have a victor mentality, and we learn to love our neighbor, and in that case, it was to go into the businesses, go into the homes, push the mud out, tear out the the waterlogged walls, get the mold out of their houses, give them hope and tangible ways. God's done that through us over and over and over and over again, and he's looking to us. He's fixing his gaze upon us. And he's interested in how we're going to respond to what's up ahead right now. The one who gives us a new heart, the one who takes away the stony stubbornness and puts in a tenderness, is saying something to us today. And so he's saying, walk in love. Because in Galatians 5, 6, it says faith works through love. He says, man, have faith in God. Hebrew, uh, Mark eleven twenty two, uh, twenty twenty three 23 says, speak to your mountains. 24 says, pray, believe, and receive. 25 says, and when you pray, when you speak to your mountains, when you have faith in God, make sure, oh yeah, you forgive everybody for everything on every offense so you don't carry resentment going into the next move of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, I'm walking in love, not in resentment. And so in Matthew 13.52, it talks about when scribes and Pharisees would get saved, that it says, then the owner of the house brings out his, of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. New treasures as well as old. Dick Mills, who is a great scholar and a wonderful friend to our church, made some interesting commentary on this verse. And I want to read this to you because I'm teaching about restoration. I'm teaching about new things. But God spoke to my heart years ago. Not to be faddish and not to jump on trendy bandwagons. He told me not to despise the ancient foundations which the fathers gave us. But he told me not to get calcified in religiosity. He also told me to stay fresh but not jump on every trendy bandwagon and every wind of doctrine. Right? And I I believe the Holy Spirit has these amazing, elegant ways of helping us as individuals as we listen to him as we serve him, as we seek him, as we pray. How many of you are hungry for whatever God has for us? Bring it on, Lord. And so I want to be receptive to that. 
And so I believe in the glory of the latter house being greater than the glory of the former. I also uh, am, am very uh, conservative and traditional in my theology. I'm very open to the new things and the possibilities that heaven has for us in the suddenly outpourings of the Holy Spirit, but it's predicated on the, the, this, the, the, this from the storeroom, new treasures as well as old. This is a balanced verse, uh, the new treasures and the old treasures. It tells us that we do not have to choose between old and new. Uh, we can have both. In a world given to choosing up sides, it is good to know that we can reap the benefits of both sides, old and new, old wine, new wine, old wineskins, new wineskins. The kingdom of God is not an either-or proposition. It is both old and new, right? Old is a good word because it means time-honored, time-tested, time-proven. In this setting, old doesn't denote that which is obsolete, archaic, or worn out. Rather, it suggests paths that are well-trodden, truths that have stood the test of time, ways, customs, and traditions that are familiar, meaningful, and dependable. We need some of those healthy things. Um, in, in uh, what is it, Yellowstone, there's a geyser named Old Faithful because it, it just keeps going at the same time. It's predictable. A dog lover calls his faithful pet Old Shep. Uh, uh, a, a proud nation symbolically calls its flag Old Glory. The householder representing the Christian brings out of his pantry old, basic, reliable staples for his menu. The Lord does the same for us. We sang about it today. The blood of Jesus, the name of the Lord, the power of the Holy Spirit, the effectiveness of prayer, the preciousness of worship, the warmth of fellowship, the solid foundation of the, the word of God. Can't improve upon those things. Those are the ancient truths passed down to us. And if fasting and prayer brought revival 150 years ago, that basic old style can also do it the same today. If songs of praise produce the presence of the Lord in the Welsh revival of 1904, They'll do that for us today as we sing unto the Lord a new song. The message of this verse is don't discard the old in order to be ready for the new. God's treasures are like new edifices laid on the old foundations. Hallelujah. That's why my attitude toward the denominational church has been what it's been. I honor and respect. I was invited to speak at a conference of one of the most conservative Protestant denominations in America to their leaders. And uh, I told them, I said, due to your heritage, your history of hundreds of years, there's coming a time, I told them this 20 years ago, there's coming a time where society is going to be desperate for good foundation. They don't need a new fad. They need what you have. And they, they couldn't even quite wrap their heads around it. And they still adopted all kinds of these sort of trends and changing things up. It's like some things you don't have to change. Uh, some things are just what they are. The good hallelujah, Genesis to Revelation. If you have your Bible with you, pick up your Bible and wave it. 
John Osteen used to say, this makes the devil mad. He'll even get madder if you read it, and if, uh, even, even more angry if you do it. So, well, I don't know that I want to make the devil mad. Well, he already is mad, so you might as well just get strengthened with the Word of God. And strengthened with the purposes of God. This, this message that I've been preaching for weeks about restoration emanates out of a prophecy from a guy named Joel, the prophet, the Hebrew prophet. And, and, and I'll start with 25, but then I'll go to the preceding verses. Uh, Joel 2.25, if you remember, I've been quoting this every week for several weeks. He says, then I will make up, this is when Jesus comes, when the Savior comes, behold the Lamb, he comes to change the world. Then I will make up to you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten and the creeping locust, stripping locust, gnawing locust. He's going to make up to it. He says, you know, their sinfulness opened up a door and things got, got kind of messed up. And he said, but man, I'm going to send a redeemer. I'm going to turn this thing around in the immediate. He brought some help to Israel in that moment. But this was a prophetic word for what was going to happen when the Messiah came, not only for the Jewish people, but also for the non-Jews. My message, I was going to go to Ephesians 2 and talk about before and after. But this is the way the Lord's leading me today for you. He, you know, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now he's made us alive. You, you were alienated and separated and having no hope and without God in the world, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, he, he redeemed us. And, and this is why I treasure the songs of praise. I treasure the warmth of fellowship. I, I value my Bible. I'm so grateful I could come and pray when things are rough. I could come and thank him when I have something to be appreciative for. I can work through a process because he's given me answers. This is way more than self-help, self-actualization. This is the kingdom of God. This is servants, service to the creator. This is preeminent. And uh, the Bible says in the end times, people will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, boastful, arrogant, revilers. We ought not be that way. God's wanting us to have a tenderness toward him, a hunger for him, a thirst for him. I went to Wales when I was a young preacher, and God told me, he said, you could have this if you want it. And uh, I studied about the Welsh revival. And it just, it was a hard packed, hard soil, cold hearted place until some people prayed and some people sought the Lord and some people applied the Bible and some people sought God and some great, mighty, awesome savior came in and went bing. It was so radical that in the coal mining towns of the hard scrabble of the southern Wales, uh, the men were so harsh that the, 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 the mules and the horses that they used to haul the coal up from the deep in the mines, they would whip them and they were harsh to them and inhumane toward them and they had foul language they used. And such was the change. The stony, stubborn hearts were taken out and a new heart was put in these, these hard, you know, tough, hard-boiled men. They had become new creations in Christ. They actually had to get new horses because the horses didn't even recognize their masters because they were no longer inhumane. They were no longer swearing. They were no longer uh, beating. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. When the Jesus movement hit, it changed the, not just the complexion of society for a little while. It went down into the heart. 
and teachers at high school and students were getting saved, parents and their children. I watched cold, formal churches get touched by God and amazing, amazing outcomes. There's a Methodist minister that was here in the retired Methodist minister got touched by that movement. Uh, Tom Kosky was from uh, the Missouri Synod Lutherans, and he, in fact, was the pastor out in California at the Lutheran Church. He built a beautiful Lutheran church, and my mom dropped my brother and me off at vacation Bible school. We were just unhappy suburban kids that didn't know God, and my mom needed some free time, so she saw that sign out in the front of this church, dropped us off there with a bunch of strangers. Neither of us wanted to be there, and we were there for a week, and uh, I remember that pastor came out at the end. We were sitting on picnic benches out in the hot, smoggy summer of, of uh, Southern California, Inland Empire, base on Mount Baldy, and Rancho Cucamonga. See, that's, that's, you can say that, Rancho Cucamonga. Now you all speak in tongues now, see? Okay, there's a gift. All right. So I remember Tom Kosky came out, and he, he came out and he spoke God's words, several scriptures over us kids. And I remember he, he put his hand on my shoulder when he spoke, and because and I, I, I think I was one of the 12, I was 12, everybody else was kind of younger. I kind of looked up at him, and in and, and, and just a kind of a fatherly, just quick pat, you know. I'll never forget it, because then later on, we compared notes, and he and his wife spent the treasured senior years of their lives in our church, and it occurred to him in one of these meetings that he was the pastor, and I was the kid, and that his seed that he had sown germinated and grew in my life. And so he, imagine, and he got baptized in the Holy Spirit and got the left foot of fellowship from his, his denomination. But yet he found his way, and we, can you imagine how I feel, how small the world is to me, and how significant, that's why I come up here and I preach, I expect that kind of stuff. I expect the miraculous. You know, expect that when you're Walking on the levee, you're going to run into a guy named Justin or, or some guy named Juan. They, these guys that did this, this soul-winning challenge, Pastor Patsy's an equipper. She's anointed. She signed up for Bible school before we were even dating. She got accepted. I got accepted separately from each other. We were sensing a call, and then God happened to merge us together. And uh, the other day when she had uh, Steve and David do the um, role-playing, and show how to lead somebody to the Lord. Her gesture that looked like a sort, she had thought about doing it and had planned for it, but didn't tell those guys. And um, so they came up, and as it turns out, you know, Steve was really good at being lost. He was smoking, he flicked a cigarette out. Of, he, he flicked the cigarette out at the crowd, you know. So he really needed what David had to offer. And David was, he gulped and thought, okay, here he, and he, and he, he prayed, and, and David prayed. I don't know if you were here, but he prayed, and then he started praying for the missionaries in the Ukraine, and he started praying for, and he started praying over all of our meals and stuff. It was pretty awesome. It was going. He was on a roll. But then they got a vision, let's do this for 30 days. And not one, but two people admitted they were in a suicidal, uh, three were, were so desperate that they were suicidal. One, another one, the Steve, they, they walked and walked and walked, and, and they couldn't see anybody, and they thought, well, I guess this didn't work out. But then when they went, he went to throw his empty water bottle into the trash can, another guy was throwing his bottle into the trash can at the same time, and he looked over, and he began to talk to him, and he said, you know, Jesus loves you. He goes, you know, it's interesting you say that. I, I'm on a journey. 
I just bought an EVS Bible two weeks ago. Well, it's not an EVS, it's an ESV. And Steve had the sense to not go, it's an ESV. No, he didn't, you know, that, it's like whatever you want to call it, he bought a Bible. So can you imagine the sequencing of that? I believe in that. I believe in a God that is supernatural. I believe that in a church that can be led by the Holy Spirit. I believe in the new creation, that a new person, you become a brand new being. I believe in restoration, that if you feel like you've gotten callous. Look, I work out, and, I, and I, so I use dumbbells and stuff. So I notice that my hands are getting real callous from the bars. Because when you're lifting 500 pounds at a time... So I have to take my wedding bands off and stick them in my, my uh, little fifth pocket in my jeans. By the way, I work out in my jeans and cowboy boots. <laughs> anyway, that's just a weird thing. But anyway, uh, in order not to let it all get calloused, I'm aware of that. And I, I think as we get ready to close today, he says, I will take away the stony, stubborn heart. I'll take the callous out of your life. And this is what I've been preaching. He said, I'll restore to you the years the locust is eaten. The locusts gnaw and take away, but life can harden us. I've noticed that I am, yes, different than I was when I was young in some ways. Some of that's good. I've matured and grown. Some of it for a while wasn't good, where I, it modified my behavior. It made me overly guarded, where I've been hurt over and over again, or I've become, I've become apprehensive, where I was more yielded. I've become guarded, where I was more open. Some of that's good, some of that's self-preservation, some of that's not good. How many of you know it's not a simple thing? But my, I'm telling you, with God, he can help us. He can harden us to difficulty and sensitize us to the Holy Spirit. Instead of being hardened to the Holy Spirit and wearing our feelings on our sleeves about all the hurts and offenses, right? Because when people get in that, they get led by offenses. I've seen this in the church for years. People get up and leave. They get divorced over it. They, they get estranged from their kids. They, they quit their jobs. They backstab their boss. They, all kinds of stuff over that petty kind of thing. Uh, but on the other hand, God will harden you to difficulty. Jana Moore gave me this verse out of Jeremiah that God would harden me to difficulty. He wrote it, she wrote it on a little card with her nice handwriting. She has good penmanship, and she gave it to me. She's very, by the way, she doesn't do this all the time, so it's not like I have, you know, I'm going to give you this all the time. So it just had a weightiness to it. I trust her, and it had a weightiness to it. And uh, I read it and thought, awesome. He's going to harden me to difficulty. Until I realized that it just meant, get ready, Broseph. Some stuff is going to come your way. But in order to have that new wine, that new anointing, that new heart that God's promised in the midst of all this. I, I, I'm believing that we, today, as we finish, we just, this is what I, the, the practical application of this message. Just open your heart to this. How many of you have given your life to Jesus Christ? He's the Lord, Savior of your life. You have confidence in his mercy. Wave to me. If you love him. And you, and you want your love to grow. Keep it, I'm gonna, now I'm going to start to trick you a little bit. And you want to advance in the call of God on your life. Raise your hand a little higher. And you're hungry and thirsty for more of him. And you want personal revival in your life. And you want a harvest, get your other hand up, a harvest of souls amongst the lot. And you want even your enemies to be saved. It's like, okay.
Well, we do. How many of you want to see a revival in our church and in the church? So that, that's what we want. We want to see God alight upon the guys with the long beards and the vestments. We want to see the light come on people of all the flavors, right? All the nations, right? We do. We really do. And he will do this because God is, he's got new treasures and old treasures as well as old. New wine and new wineskins. John was thoughtful by the Holy Spirit to address the old men and the young men and the young people. Let you, you know your God. You know the Father. And you fought the good fight of faith. And it just goes back and forth. There's, an over, there's a great overlap between Gen Z, Gen X, millennials, and, and uh, boomers, and so forth. Uh, the, the, the realization my wife and I have had for decades is a generation is not all divided up in, in, in age brackets. A generation just happens to be defined as anybody that's alive at the same time. We are the generation. Eight billion of us on the planet from every nation, tribe, tongue, and dialect, both genders, all ages, and the body of Christ throughout the earth. Jesus knows the ones who have received the new birth. He knows the ones that love him, that have a heart for him. He knows you. He loves you. He's drawn you, and he's called you, and he's so good. He says, I'll make up to you the years the locust has eaten. The King James says, I'll restore it to you. I believe for that. I'm not longing for yesteryear, and I'm not all projecting some new thing. I hear people say, we're the heads of this new revival, and we're going to teach you how to do revival. It's like, well, okay, maybe, maybe not. But I don't sense a leading to listen to it. I've been busy in the Word, and I'm trusting God. Maybe it'll break out there, maybe not, whatever. I'm trusting God for a global harvest, the likes of which has, uh, is unparalleled in history. He said, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. How does that pertain to me, Pastor Jeff? I'm just trying to survive. Well, your survivorship is contributing to your position in the kingdom. You've been, that was precisely the plan, that God would teach you how to fight the good fight of faith, how to pray and pass through the struggles, how to forgive the people that hurt you, how to overcome in the battles of life. And you're learning and you're growing. The kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force, meaning we fight in the spirit. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not a battle with human beings. It's a battle over evil spirits. It's a battle for what's at stake in the territories. We are believing God for the message of Jesus to permeate the education systems, the business strata, the family systems, the religious structures, all the elements and, and, and all the positions and roles and places, uh, entertainment, arts and entertainment. I'm believing God for the message and the story of Jesus to show up in the boardroom uh, under the lights of a production. You're already seeing it to pop into music. I'm believing God for the, especially that Jesus will stimulate the church. I'm believing he's going to do something and he's, in fact, the anointing is here right now in this church. Psalm 92.10, David says, I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Fresh oil. The Lord has a new touch of his spirit to place on your life today. Hallelujah. I'm done. Let's all stand up on our feet. I have so much more there. Oh, man, I could have pre preached for another 50 minutes. But I got to stop somewhere. But this is where it starts. Say this with me. Lord Jesus. 
Say it with your hand up in there, one hand on your heart. Just help me, indulge me. Say, Lord Jesus, since before I was born, you knew me. You've created in me a clean heart. You've renewed a right spirit in me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach sinners your way and transgressors will be converted to you. He that is wise wins souls. Use me in the engagement of my life, in my communication style, in my contacts, open doors, show me what I ought to say, guide me, help me, provide opportunities for me. I accept the call to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. I receive restoration in my mind, my emotions, my thinking faculties, my will, not my will, but your will be done. Your will be done on earth, just like it is in heaven. In Jesus' name.